beautiful people, and welcome back to A Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And in this episode, you'll be listening to Sifu Love, who's going to talk to us about spiritual wellness. Now, Sifu Love describes himself as a Kung Fu spiritual healer. He holds a black belt in Kung Fu and a master's in spiritual psychology from Columbia University. And Sifu takes us through his journey to China, where he studied Kung Fu from the master's. He also provides some insight on some of the common questions and issues his clients raise to him and how he helps them. And finally, why it's so important to take risks for the soul. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. Love. Welcome to In Love Color Abroad. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good, good, good. Anytime, anytime. And for those that were that listened to my last episode on Denmark, I did say in the outro that I will have a different episode for you all. That's a departure from my usual episodes with deals with people living in different places abroad because I thought this would be a very insightful and different conversation. I'm glad you took the time out, Sifu Love, and you contacted me to do this. I really much appreciate that. So let's get right to it, Sifu Love. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. So Sifu Love, I am from um, Northern California area and ended up studying abroad a couple times and just fell in love with my experience and ended up moving to China where I got to um, teach and train with different Kung Fu masters because I've been studying Kung Fu now for about 15 years. Um, and, you know, that was an amazing experience. And then I ended up um, wanting to get a master's in spiritual psychology. So then I left China for a bit um, to do that. And then I wanted to go back, but the pandemic has stalled my plans. So I'm currently still in the U.S. waiting for things to um, smooth out so I can move back to China. Awesome, awesome. So there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> let's start. <laughs> let's start with uh, the fact that you decided you wanted to go to China to study kung fu. This sounds like something out of a movie, right? Like out of a movie plot. <laughs> Someone trying to find stuff. I'm gonna learn kung fu and become a kung fu master, become a black belt, and fight crime. That's what. It is. <laughs> but I'm sure it wasn't That's like that, life. right? <laughs> so take us through that, please. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it is somewhat like that. I was, I was inspired by movies, I'm not going to lie. Okay, okay. Um, so when I was about 14 or so, I started learning Kung Fu as a way to defend myself from um, like the bullying that, that I was facing. And it was a very healing practice for me. And so, um, you know, from then I started like learning and I started teaching um, a little bit there. And when I had the opportunity in college to study abroad, I was like, well, let me go to China. I've seen people do that in movies where they, they like go train with these Kung Fu masters and like the mountains and, and the forests and right. the villages. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. So that's what I did. <laughs> wow. I mean, that, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Here I am talking about how things you see in movies, but you were literally inspired by the movies themselves to do this. Right? I think it's pretty cool because most people think, okay, that's not attainable because it's in a movie, but yeah, here you are doing that and you did that. So that's kind of cool. In, 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 uh, that's pretty cool. Okay, so you go to China to study Kung Fu, you said, to kind of learn how to defend yourself, right? And what exactly were you defending yourself from? What You mentioned bullying. What were you being bullied for, if you might want to share? Oh, no problem at all. So um, around that age, I was being bullied for, for, for being gay, and I, I was very girly. 
I was bullied for the stutter that I had. I was bullied for being overweight. So there's mm. a lot of different things that I was right. being bullied for. Um, and the martial arts really helped me. Um, it helped me get slim. It helped me be able to slow down my mind and my thinking. So the, the stuttering started to go away. Um, the the gayness didn't go away, but I, I was able to embrace that, you know, mm. um, through the, the martial arts practice because then I felt safe and comfortable within myself. Um, so that's, that's the main reason why I practice so hard and train so hard and I got to uh, compete in tournaments um, throughout the U.S. and, th- and around the world. Um, I got to be on judging panels for international tournaments because I was so dedicated to the practice itself because it, it literally saved my life in, wow. in many, many ways. Um, and, and so now what I do is I teach other people um, how to use martial arts to heal themselves because I'm, I'm a spiritual healer um, in addition to the, the long list of things that I do. So I, I, I use these martial arts practices as tools for people to learn how to heal themselves and be able to embrace the trueness of, of who they are. And those Kung Fu, and so you're a black belt in Kung Fu. Yes. yes. All right, guys, do not mess with Sifu Love. You heard the <laughs> He will kick your ass. <laughs> hopefully I don't have to. Yeah, hopefully you don't have to, right? That's it. <laughs> I mean, how many people do you come across? You're like, yeah, my friend, he's a black belt in Kung Fu. That's not a thing you just, that comes out, you know, comes so naturally off the tongue. But anyway, so when you go to China, right, and you go to study Kung Fu, they, these did these Kung Fu masters, who I assume were Chinese, they just, they just readily accept you into their community? So here's the thing. Um, when I first got there, I had this image of, I'm going to go to the Shaolin Temple, I'm going to go to the Wudang Mountain, because, you know, these are the, the famous, like, places you see in like crouching tiger hidden dragon in movies <laughs> and 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 when i when i got to china one of the things that i learned is so many things are commercialized to the point where it loses its authenticity mm. um and so i was like these places i i feel like they're not going to give me the true experience that i'm looking for to train with a real master and all of that um i did end up meeting contacts who could connect me to those places to train with the real masters but that even then felt a little um uncomfortable to me so what ended up happening is I would, um, on the weekends and very late at night, at like midnight, I'd train at parks, um, and certain people would watch me and certain people would come up to me and be like, oh, I know that form. That is this, 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 this. Um, and then, um, every time someone talked to me, I, I would keep talking to them and I would learn like, oh, I've trained with this person and this person. Mm. And so just these random conversations led me to the real masters who are not at, at, at the temples. They're mm. in their homes. They're in these like areas in like the, the, the hutongs, the, um, the different alleyways where, where people live. So I got to meet them and have tea with them and train with them on the weekends. Um, so yeah, that, that's how I, I ended up meeting like the real masters who were sort of tucked away in in the city which is really really cool that is i mean that sounds freaking again that sounds like out of a movie in itself like you're in a park and like hey i'm actually a master here let me teach you to come drink some tea with me meet my family and then you keep trading (laughs) i mean that's exactly how it happened like there's there's one master in particular who um i met his disciple and his disciple was like oh you, you you need to be my teacher um and so uh, he flew me out to this small area of China. I, I go to meet the teacher, and the teacher was like, oh, let, let me take you to this performance. So it was a performance that was happening in his honor. So there were, like, hundreds of people who were doing martial arts stuff to kind of impress him. And I was sitting next to him, and he was just like, meh. He wasn't impressed by the whole thing. And <laughs> after the performance, we, we went to his studio. He's like, okay, let's train. So we trained for a couple hours, and then he's like, now let's get drunk, basically. So then we had... We had um, a Chinese alcohol called Bai, 
my baijiu. So, so we had baijiu, and, and then we drank, and then he's like, okay, if you drink this, then you are officially a disciple within my system. And I'm like, okay, sure. So then I, I just drank it. So, right. Isn't you know, there a drunken style? Isn't like, there a drunken I mean, style kung fu as well? <laughs> there is, there is, and I've studied a little bit of drunken style. It's hard. Like, so, guys, it, even when, if seafood love is either sober or drunk, do not mess with me. You are you are unstoppable. Okay, so I, I also want to say this and be very frank and honest. When you did contact me on my on my page on Living Color Abroad, I was skeptical because the first thing I read is spiritual kung fu healer, and I've never heard those terms in place in that order. So I was like, "What is this even about?" And then when you when I look some more to your page, I'm like, "Whoa, this guy is legit." <laughs> so so I was like, "Wow, he he's very serious about this, and this is literally what he does." So let's go in. You I said you were in China, then you went uh to new york where i'm from and you studied at columbia uh, and you studied what exactly for your masters i studied spiritual psychology okay so you studied that and that's what you got a master's in mm-hmm. so take exactly. us through what is exactly spiritual psychology what is that what is the study of that so it's looking at psychology from the perspective of helping people attain wholeness of helping people realize the, the meaning and value within their lives so giving them different tools and strategies to um, remind them of the the trueness of, of who they are and from there they're they're able to heal so when people know mm. when people begin to gain awareness about who they are and their purpose in life it, it allows them to be able to work toward that purpose and then heal through any you know sort of traumas that that, that they faced so my, my program was a lot about like trauma psychology mixed with positive psychology looking at positive emotions and um, hope and, and things like that and, and how to bring these aspects into people through different means and because I had this martial arts practice and I was training with these masters I was like well let me do this through martial arts um, so I, I ended up spending years creating a system that, that does all of the spiritual psychology stuff through the martial arts practices wow that sounds really amazing so you mentioned this whole thing about about you know one finding oneself you know through spirituality and the psychology <laughs> of that and then obviously using your practice as being a kung fu master and obviously this ties very well into living abroad and you've done that already so what do you what do you think it are because i know you have clients that you've worked with but what are some of the things that, uh, do you personally feel are some challenges spirit in uh the spiritual sense that people face when they are abroad so one of the major things is um I want to say authenticity and embracing oneself. Mm. And I'll say this from my own perspective in China. There were so many times when I was around people and people were questioning me, like, why are you doing this this way? Why are you dressing this way? Why? Like, like even my sentences that I, that I was using in Chinese, like, like, why are you saying this in this way? Why are you expressing it in this way? And I could have let those questions and those, those comments and critiques, like, take me away from my authentic self. I could have conformed to the area around me just to fit in, just so I felt like I, I would belong. And I did it because I had my practices to really help me you know, move away from that. But I think a lot of the times when people are abroad for a long period of time, they tend to struggle with like, who am I? And trying to blend, it's and it, it's completely, it's actually important to adapt to the culture that you're in, but it's, it's unhealthy to then lose your sense of self because you're trying to mm. become like the people that, that, that you're living with. So there's this element of learning how to adapt, but not conform. And I think that's a very difficult line for, for people to, to, to work through. Right. I, I like the way you said that, adapt, but not conform. 
Um, I think, I mean, I can say for myself, I think I probably, I struggle with that right now. <laughs> in this, you know, I think, and obviously the, everyone has a different personality and different quirks and stuff like that. But that is definitely one challenge of living abroad is when you, in this completely new culture that's foreign to you, um, in order for you to feel sort of at home, whatever home is, quote unquote, you need to adapt to some point, right? You need to have some kind of adaptation that happens so you can feel okay where you're at. But then when you said when you lose your sense of self, because then eventually, like you did, and maybe like I might do, and a lot of others do, eventually you go back home and you have what they call reverse culture shock. And, exactly. and it's like, wait, so were you adapting or that you conform and now you don't feel home in either location? So I guess now asking you, Sifu Love, uh, what are some tools that people can use to kind of, you know, to, to have that balance of adapting but not conforming? What would you say? Or what would you do? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a number of practices that come to mind. I can't necessarily speak through the practice because um, they're more like embodied things. But right. one of the things that I would say is to begin to realize, and people can even make a list of the ways in which the area that they're living is so different from them. Um, and once you start to make that list and you realize like, okay, so the way these people are talking, um, the way that they're treating these other people the way that this sort of thing is structured when you make a list of that then you get to see all the ways that the space is different from you and then you can make the choice of how am I going to adapt to this because um, you know, especially when you're abroad there's so many things that are happening and we get overwhelmed our, our senses get overwhelmed with everything that we're experiencing so when we begin to write down the ways in which everything is so different from us, um, then we get to use our mind to understand how am I going to actively adapt to this without losing myself. Um, that was one tool that was really, really helpful for me, especially as I was living in China. And I would say mainly when I was traveling throughout Asia, because um, I traveled a lot in Asia, because there's so many Chinese holidays and every holiday I was gone. I was like, I'm traveling. Um, <laughs> So every time I was in a country, I was like making a, a list of the ways in which the country is so different from myself and understanding how am I going to adapt versus like just allowing myself to be overwhelmed by it, which is it's very easy to do that when you're in the mode of traveling and, and you're mm -hmm. living in a space that's different and fun and exciting. Right. I mean, that's such a I mean, I didn't even think of that. Uh, yeah. Let me write down the things that are different in the culture that I am in the country that I am, because you said your senses get overwhelmed. And you just deal with it as they come. And usually the way people react to things that are very different is to, you know, turn, you know, into a hermit crab. You know, they go into their shell, into their protective selves, and then they try to find others that are just like them, hence other expats, right? And so you're like, oh, I have you so I can have you here so you're not different at all. So I can hold on to this forever and not adapt at all to where I'm at, which is another exactly. bad thing as well. But you said to write down those differences it's like, okay, I'm acknowledging what's different and then evaluating those differences based on how I view my own self, right? So I think, well, I mean, such a simple thing, but it sounds very powerful. <laughs> it's really helpful. I didn't start doing that. <laughs> All right, so you guys heard that. Write, write this shit down of things that are different from where you're located. Um, okay, that is, that is helpful to know. Okay, so now out of your clients that you've had, what would you say besides this whole authentic self, what would you say are other issues that are common that keep popping up for those that are living abroad that come to you for, for guidance? So there is, um, and me, this is probably because I've studied a lot around trauma and I'm, my practices are trauma informed. So I tend to attract people who are dealing with, with their own traumas, mm. but I find that people's, 
So when you're when you're traveling abroad and you're away from the area in which you grew up, your your traumas will, will play out. You know, your traumas will come out in different ways, whether it be the things that you say, the way that you act. And a lot of people, what they do is they try to hide from, from those traumas. So people go into like over drinking or they party a lot and, and you know, to sort of like numb the sense of, of the trauma that they're facing. Um, so that's one thing that I experience a lot is a lot of people who are coming to me, they're just overwhelmed by these different traumatic memories and experiences that they haven't really dealt with. But now they're coming up when they're abroad and they're using these coping mechanisms to try to pull themselves away from it. And I think that's very, very real. Um, Because it's, it's, you know, again, you're abroad, everything's exciting. It's, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to kind of fall into that and not allow yourself to really process um, the difficulties that are going on, because there's so much excitement literally outside your door. Right. And I think that's another good point, right? Because I think people think that those that choose to live abroad are running away from something. They're always looking for the grass being greener on the other side. And I'm not going to lie, some people I think that I've met and maybe me to some degree at some point might be, might have felt this way, like, oh, this thing, this has to be better over here. And not realizing that whatever you were trying to leave, that's in your head and that's going with you. That is not, you know, that is not going to stay in, you know, New York City. It's going to be with you wherever you're at. And you're going to bring that with you because, like you said, those are traumas, those things that are personal. You can't just leave that where it's at. So I think it's interesting that, um, like you said, you got to deal with that. It doesn't matter where you go in this planet, whether it's as far as China, California, New York, doesn't matter. Wherever you're going to be, you're going to carry all those things with you. And I think you have to deal with them as they are, regardless of, of where you're, you know, geographically located if things are not right within. Um, all right. So let's get into the Kung Fu part of it, right? Because I'm not, I'm not interested. I'm like, I got to take some classes with Sifu Love now. <laughs> So where does the where does the after you have these you know I guess these consultations with with your clients and you you talk these things out where does the kung fu come in? So the kung fu comes in day one. Oh, so, damn. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like let's get into it because <laughs> so when, whenever a student like approaches me and they want to do some sort of work together, um, you know people talk and they have all these thoughts and sometimes they're what they're saying is not the most honest because either they're not aware of the truth or they're uncomfortable with, with the truth. Mm. And so whenever I start to meet people, I'm like, okay, let's, let's go into practice. So we go directly into practice. And what that does is it brings the body into the conversation. And when the body comes into the conversation, I find that's when the truth comes out even more so because the, you know, there's a lot of research about this, but the body holds so much memory and so much experience. And so when you bring the body into a conversation, you realize, okay, so, oh, like this is coming up. Oh, okay. This is how I feel about this. This is where I feel it in my body. And so you get this like information from the body itself. Um, so I, I, I bring in the Kung Fu practices almost immediately. Like we start talking and then I'm like, okay, let's practice. And then let's keep talking. Cause the practice allows you to sink more deeply into what I would call the soul. Mm. And then from there, you're able to speak a deeper level of, of a truth that you probably were not able to access before. Right. And, do, and your clients, I mean, do you have to be like a certain like physical condition or to do this uh, practice with you, or it could be literally anyone, any walk, shape or form. It can be any single person. Um, you know, I've, the thing is I've, my practices are, um, adaptable. So if someone wants to be seated, they, they can be seated. If someone has um, issues like moving their arms, you know, there's ways to adapt that as well. So the, the thing is, I try to make sure my practices are not ableist. Mm. Um, 
in a sense that like only people who are like physically fit, who are like Olympic level athletes like myself are able to do, which is one of the issues that I had with yoga is like yoga right now is so like acrobatic and, and you have to do the inversions and, and all of these things. And I'm like, but that you don't need to go to that extent. You don't need to destroy the body in some sense in order to achieve that level of enlightenment or that, that calmness. So I try to adapt the practices so that they're available to any single person in any sort of body that they have. Mm, good to know. Good to know. And so obviously you're back home in the States, right? And, and, and you sure. have this experience. A lot of people go through this where you go abroad, then you go back home. What is happening within you right now that you can like talk about as far as your own uh, spiritual wellness from being abroad to now being home? What are the changes that you're noticing within yourself? So one of the really big things, and I actually love this, is my my body is craving China so much that I cook Chinese food every single day. <laughs> and that's all I eat. And that's literally like whenever I go to the store, I try to find things that are the most Chinese-y. And, and that's what I create because every time I eat it, it allows me to remember the experience of me being in China. Um so that, that's one major thing that I've experienced, and I love that aspect because that gives me a way to tap back into the culture that I've grown, I've grown with. Mm. Um, so so that that's one thing. Um, another thing I'm noticing is my own. You know, you talked about reverse culture shock, and you know, e- even me who have been doing these practices for a while and I've traveled a while I still experience like extreme reverse culture shock and so when I first came back here I like refused to speak Chinese I'm like I'm done with Chinese I'm never studying this language again blah 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 blah. (laughs) and part of that was just because like I I missed China so much you know I missed that that place and for me speaking Chinese was my way to access that place and access that culture and so when I came here I was like I don't want to speak Chinese because I'm trying to like readapt myself to what it's like to not be in China. Um, mm. So it, it was a coping mechanism, but it's also a way for me to really tap back into what it's like to be in the United States. Because right. um, so, I, I remember when I first came here, like every time I went to a Chinese restaurant, I was like trying to speak to everyone in Chinese. And some people don't speak Chinese in, in the Chinese restaurants. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, let me let me stop trying to bring people into my experience of China mm-hmm. and actually be present here in this space. I mean, I think that last sentence be present. I think that's what we struggle with so much, not even whether we're abroad or, you know, in our domestic selves, but it's, it's, it's difficult to be present when you, you say you're dealing with all these traumas, you're thinking about the future, the past, but you're not dealing with what's in front of you. And I mm-hmm. think that, and we all, I think I can speak for myself here is that, Often we get caught up in this very negative headspace of where, like, if I was back home, it would not be like this. And then you always think in that headspace of because of whatever negativity happens where I'm at, it's be- it's because I'm abroad. It's not because of whatever the circumstance is. It's because I'm here and not home. And I'm sure the reverse would happen <laughs> if I was home. But I would have viewed it that way because it would be quote unquote home. So I think it's 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 uh, I think people are like you are important or to guide people through this kind of thing because the thing is that's why I have this podcast too is to talk to these things with a lot of people that are abroad and not just for for my, my listeners to listen to but for me to uh, gain something from the from the conversations as well. So I think people definitely need to have people like you that help with spiritual wellness and know about this stuff. They're not like I I hate to be a uh, 
you know, because there's a lot of spiritual people here, a lot of yoga people here in Costa Rica, and I and I I'm, I'm very much a skeptic when people say, yeah, I'm just a I'm just a wellness coach. I'm like, yeah, how did that happen? You just decided one day you're just a wellness coach, or but you, I'm like, all right, this guy got some credentials. See if we love, he he he's got it. So it's I feel a little bit more, you know, you, you got your credentials. So I'm, I'm more uh, <laughs> I'm more way more willing to listen to you, see love versus other people about this topic. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so, so I just think it's interesting how people cope with things while they are abroad. And I want to talk about this thing. You mentioned something about the soul. So what is it? Obviously, you have this connection to China, right? But for me, there's something about, now that I've been in Costa Rica here three years, there's something about experiencing something based on one decision that you made, right? So I made a decision and you made a decision. We're going to go abroad. And this decision changed our lives. For this moment, like obviously, this is what you do now. You're a kung fu master. You know, what decision if you go to China change your life trajectory? Me going to Costa Rica has changed my life trajectory. Um, so, how how do you talk about these things? About you know, when you make these decisions, when you make decisions that are risky, how do you talk about that in your practice? About why that's something that you need to do more of? How do you guide people through that? Of like people that are scared to to do things. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. I love this question because I was literally <laughs> doing some writing on this the other day around risk. Mm. So I think what I would say in relation to your amazing question is that <laughs> we need to take risk. And a lot of us are risk averse for many reasons in order to try to be safe. Um, but when you take a risk, what happens on the soul level is it ignites the soul and the soul is like, okay, is this good or bad? Am, am I failing or, or am I succeeding in what I think to be my own destiny? And so whenever you take a risk, um, you know, there is a chance of failure. And when you take that risk, you make that decision to go to Costa Rica, for example, and then you hate it and it's destroying your health. And then you decide, I'm going to go back home. You know, you have that experience where you listen to, you know, your soul, you listen to that, 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 passion within you that wanted to do something and you know maybe you failed but then you recover from that failure and then you move on to another aspect of, of your life I think it's so important that we pay attention to that voice and we allow ourselves to risk because transformation does not happen unless you take a risk and I think that's really really important for people to realize because people want to you know, this whole thing about manifesting people are like I want to manifest these great things but they're <laughs> sitting in in their home on the couch eating potato chips (laughs) watching a TV show. You can't manifest if you're not actually taking a risk in your life. You know, so you need to take some sort of risk um, to bring about change. And for me, when it came to China, like, the decision to go to China at first was a really spontaneous decision. Like, so I was... um, I was walking around campus, um, this is in Berkeley, I was walking around campus, and I, I saw a, a study abroad table, and I was like, what is study abroad? I'm like, I, I know these words, but I, I don't know what this, this concept is. <laughs> so I, I talked to them, and I was like, oh, this advisor is very, very nice. And I'm like, let me stop by the office um, next week. So I kind of like, I, I was going to go next week, but I delayed, and I delayed, and then I ended up walking into the office, and I talked to them about the programs that, that they offered, and there was a China program, and the China one's more of like a, you get to experience a lot of China within a summer. And they were like, oh, the applications are due tomorrow. And I'm like, 
okay, well, shit, let me make this happen. So it's a sort of spontaneous decision of like, I'm going to apply to China. Mm. And from that day, I went and I ran to my teachers. I got letters of recommendations. I wrote my essays and everything. And the next day I came to the office and I turned it in and then I got accepted. And then I ended up going to China. So that like spontaneous decision of me, like walking into the office, deciding to apply by the next day led me to go to China and I studied abroad two times before I actually moved to China. Um, so that one decision sparked this huge transformation right. for my own life. <laughs> I'm so glad you mentioned that. There's so much beauty in that because I feel that, like you said, when you decide, when you and your brain and your soul and your, your being decide that you're going to do something, then the wheels start turning, right? When you decide, okay, I'm going to try this. You're not going to just then stand still. No, you're going to be doing stuff. You're going to be moving. You're going to be thinking about all the things you need to do in order to prepare for this potential decision that you're going to and journey you're going to embark on. And I think that's the one thing that people are too scared to even think about the prospect of living abroad, let alone doing it. But just the thought of it is there is not even is not even feasible to them. That's why I think people like you need to exist in this podcast is to show that these things are not just feasible. People are doing them right now. <laughs> and people are going to China to become Kung Fu masters that help people on their journey. <laughs> so I think it's real. This shit is real. Yeah, this is not this is not just in the movies. <laughs> uh, so I think there's so much beauty in that. And the thought of I can potentially do this. And then your brain's like, yep, let's try to do that. Doesn't mean you're going to succeed the first time. You said it's going to be a lot of failure. But just the idea that you put yourself in this space of trying, of, like you said, I'm going to take a risk. Let's see what happens. And then your mind, your spirit, your body, they go into that state of let's try to make this happen. And then, like you said, you, you do it. You do it. Whether you fail doing it or you succeed doing it, you still did it. And that, that's part of your experience and, and it's part of you, right? That stays with you for the rest of your life. Like, I'll never, just like you never forget the fact that you went to China. I'll never forget the fact that I've lived in Costa Rica for three years. And let's see where life takes me next. Um, so this has, been, this has been great. I've, I've enjoyed this a lot, Sifu Love. But I'm going to, we're going to do a lightning round uh, segment where I ask yes. you just a number of questions. Yep. First thing that comes to your mind, give me your answer, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Favorite phrase in Mandarin or Chinese? which means eat more. Say it again. Eat more. Which means eat more. Did I say it right? Or did I butcher? Yes. yes. <laughs> eat more. I like that. Eat more. Yes, 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 yes. Um, favorite place in China? The Great Wall. Oh. I have many stories about the Great Wall. Gosh. The Great Wall of China. I would love to I would love to see it one day. Um favorite question. Favorite question that a, that a client has asked of you or has asked you? Why did you go to China? Hmm. I love that question. Least favorite question. <laughs> Why are you not in China now? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Beautiful <laughs> question. I'm like, I want to go. <laughs> and final, final question. And I, and I want this to be something... Uh, Basically, I think a question that I want you to ask. I'm going I'm I'm to flip it. It's going to be new. I usually ask the, the, a final question, but I want you to ask a question of those that are listening right now, that are potentially thinking about living abroad, that are living abroad right now. If they were sitting with you right now in uh, your dojo in China now, well, I don't know you <laughs> sitting with you right now, whether it's in California, they see you in China, or they, they connect to you through Zoom, uh, I'll definitely put your info um, in the show notes. 
what would be the first question you would ask of them? What would be the series of questions you would ask these uh, these individuals, these potential clients that are going to come to you, Sifu Love, for guidance and help? So the first question that I would ask is, what aspect of themselves, what aspect of your life do you most enjoy or appreciate? And then from there, I would ask them, how might that aspect be amplified in a different place, in a different country? Um, and what can you do to live into that aspect? So, you know, for me, it was, I loved my athleticism. I loved my, the way that my body moves in martial arts practices. And I answered that to say, well, I can go to China and I can study at the source of where these practices come from. And from that, I was able to train with these people and create these practices that now I use to help other people and change the world in, in some sense, I would say. Um, so those are the questions that I would ask. Like first, um, what aspect of yourself do you most enjoy or do you want to glorify? And how can going to a different place allow you to live more fully into that particular aspect? I hope you enjoyed that episode with Sifu Love. I most definitely did. Um, just a lot of golden nuggets there. I, I love how he, he mentioned the tip of writing down what's different from where you were to where you are. Such a simple thing. Um, I haven't done it. I don't know anyone else that's listening to this <laughs> that has done that as living abroad, but I haven't done that. I think it's a good way to reflect. Also, this idea of adapting but not conforming. I think that's such a fine balance and I would love to... Uh, take some of his classes to, to see uh what, what that is like um and if you want to take some of his classes you could check on the description of, of this uh episode uh where you can see his link to uh to contact him and inquire which i probably will do myself seems really interesting but yeah i just think it, it was it was so well put and honestly he i'm so glad he i'm so glad he contacted me because as i said in the show i was skeptical when i read uh you know kung fu spiritual healer <laughs> but i decided to be open and you know digging a little bit ask ask him uh, some questions <laughs> and i was sold i was sold from the jump and i just you could, i think you could feel his energy um through the through the episode uh just really good vibes and someone that seems really helpful and knows what he's talking about <laughs> first and foremost which is the most important part so if you like what you hear please leave a review on apple podcast and subscribe follow me on spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms see you next week this is A Living Color Abroad. Peace.